again. Without the music, God loved the world of sinners lost. tonight is the hymn, What Gift of Grace is Jesus my Redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give. A lovely hymn, tremendous words. We'll stand together while we make this our opening hymn, please.
And tonight our hearts together in prayer, their heads bowed and our eyes closed, going to ask one of our elders, Brother John McCauley, to come and to lead us to the throne of grace in prayer, please. Let us all still our hearts before the Lord in prayer. Let us all pray. Let us pray. God, our loving and eternal Heavenly Father, we thank you again even for the words of that hymn which shown after singing. We just thank you for Calvary. We just thank you for what the Lord Jesus Christ did there on the cross. We just thank you for that, the grace that was brought down to man there on the cross. We just thank you for the blood that the Lord Jesus Christ shed. And Lord, we just thank you that for those that are in the meeting tonight who can read their titles clear to mansions in the sky. Lord, they can rejoice in that day whenever you saved them by thy grace. And Lord, we just thank you that it's all of Christ, it's not of us. And Lord, we just give thee all the praise and all the honour and all the glory. And Lord, we pray for those even that have been in our service tonight who are still unsaved, who still not, cannot leave their head on the pillow at night and say with a surety, they're going to be going to heaven and to go home if the, the death angel would come. Lord, we just pray, Lord, even tonight, as Mr. Park brings the word that you've laid upon his heart, we pray for him. We thank you for his faithful ministry night by night. We thank you for thy presence that has been here night by night. And Lord, we thank you for the work that has already been done for the lady that was saved on Sabbath night. And Lord, we give thee all the praise and all the honour and the glory. And we just pray, Lord, for those that are in tonight don't know thee. We just pray, Lord, that they not go out this door tonight, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will take a dealing with them. And Lord, that, Lord, that you'll defeat every plan and every purpose of the devil. You know, the devil would uh, seek to keep the sinner away, bring up more excuses. Pray, Lord, that you'll just defeat the plans of the devil. Lord, we pray, Lord, that tonight, Lord, that you will have the victory. Lord, that they will just come Kneel at the foot of the old rugged cross. Tonight, Lord, they'll go home rejoicing with the Saviour with them. Going, going out a different way than they come in. And Lord, we pray for thy servant, the Reverend Greenfield. We thank you for him. And I just pray, Lord, even tonight as he ministers and so on, we just pray, Lord, that you'll bless him. Pray, Lord, that every word, Lord, will be a word owned to thee. Direct it even, Lord, to the hearts of the unsaved. And even there'll be work done even through the ministry and so on. We thank you, Lord, for these nights. We just thank you for the gospel. We just thank you that it's old, ever new. We just thank you that we can rejoice in it. And even now, own people, Lord, we rejoice whenever we hear the gospel preached night by night. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you'll do a work of grace even tonight. We leave this whole meeting with thee. We pray, Lord, that you'll have your own way tonight. And we give thee all the praise, all the honour and the glory. For the Saviour's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, John, for leading us to the throne of grace and prayer. Continue to remember our dear brother and just all that is before him. We thank God for his good hand upon him in recent times, but we continue to remember him at the throne of grace that the Lord will give him that healing that he needs. The hymn number 351, And peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. It is well, it is well with my soul. Let's sing this hymn. We love to sing this hymn together, so let's stand together and sing this lovely hymn, please. <clears throat>
Not only can you sing that, but that that is the experience of your heart and you can say tonight, it's well with my soul. Whatever happens, I'm prepared for the great eternity. It's a great joy for us to have with us our brother, the Reverend Fred Greenfield, and his good wife, Jean. We love them dearly in the Lord, and he has been a blessing to us over many, many years. And he has helped us out in the high school when we were there, and we're delighted he was able to come tonight to minister to us in song. Brother Fred, come and minister to us, please. It's a great privilege to be with you tonight, to have the opportunity to come uh, to minister in song. And we trust the Lord will bless his word and song to all our hearts. We've been watching the mission online night by night and really enjoy the singing. Uh, but it even sounds better when you're here in real life, as I say, rather than watching online. We're so thankful for the word of God going forth. Lovely old gospel hymn, it's well with my soul, as we have been singing, but it is well with my soul because there's one who loved me and died for me on the old rugged cross. You know the words of the chorus. Join in and sing it when it comes to the chorus. On the cross crucified in great sorrow he died the giver of life was he yet my Lord
the same yesterday and today and forever. The Savior of men today. Sing it for us. He was wounded for work of our Saviour at that place called Calvary that the Lord Jesus paid it all and all to him we owe and we can never as the hymn writer said we can never understand it we can never really take it in but it meant for him the Holy One to bear away our sin if you know the chorus this old gospel hymn uh, join in and sing it with us He left the splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny was the lonely hill of Golgotha, there to lay
Fred, for your ministry in song. We bid you welcome to the Gospel Mission here in Dalriada. We always say welcome, but we mean it. It's a joy to see those who come night by night. And if you're here for the first time, we bid you specially welcome, and we trust and pray that the Lord will bless you in coming under the sound of God's word. We also bid welcome those who are joining us on Sermon Audio, Facebook, and YouTube. Do remember the mission as it continues, uh, and of course remember that tomorrow night there is the change of venue. We're not going to be here, but we're going to be in Hebron, in our church in Market Street. I just checked with Reverend Park uh, so that we get this right. We're going to go to the hall and not into the church. So what the challenge for us is uh, to fill the hall so that we have to go into the church. Uh, but we're going to start out in the hall. You come tomorrow night in our church hall in the Carson Complex. Uh, tomorrow night, 8 p.m., the time of prayer, 7.30, preceding uh, the service. Then back here on Friday night for the mission at 8 o'clock. Uh, and then the conclusion of the gospel campaign on the Lord's Day evening at 7. Those who will be ministering song tomorrow night, we're keeping it in the family. Uh, we have Mr. Jonathan Logan, of course, who's the Reverend Greenfield's son-in-law. And then Friday night, Mrs. Joy Boyd. And then on the Lord's Day evening, our Hebron Youth Choir will bring the mission to an end as far as the singing is concerned. And we look forward to hearing them as they minister to us on Sunday evening. We're going to sing together our theme hymn, I heard an old, old story how a Saviour came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary. We'll stand while we sing this lovely hymn, please.
Our brother Reverend Greenfield to come, minister to us in song, and then immediately after that, Reverend Park will come and preach God's word. God bless you. <clears throat> in the gospel meeting in which I was saved way back on the 21st of February in 1965, the verse that God spoke to me through was that verse in the book of Genesis, chapter 6 and verse 3. My spirit shall not always strive with man. And being brought up in a Christian home and knowing the way of salvation, knowing what I ought to do, I thought to myself, what would happen to me if God, the Holy Spirit, should stop speaking? If this would be the last time that God would speak to me. Listen to these very solemn words. Someday you'll hear God's final call to you to take his offer of salvation true. This could be it, my friend, if you but knew.
First thing I want to do is just set this down, as I have done. <clears throat> Turn with me to Ezekiel and the chapter 33. <clears throat> as always, I like to give my own personal words of welcome each night at the mission. And we thank you for coming, and we thank those that are listening in online, being part of the gospel mission night by night. We thank Mervyn again for leading, and thank you for your prayers. We've had a good day. Uh, we are talking about the school's ministry. We're in a school tonight, but, <coughs> pardon me, we were in a school this morning, two schools in fact, the high school, where Greg gave his testimony, good testimony, good challenge, for all the young people that stood in assembly. And then we moved over to this lagging. I think I said the Laney last night. The Laney is still to come, I think, Friday. But we went to this lagging where we had a time with the children. And then an hour this afternoon in Gary Duff with the SU group. So continue to pray for these opportunities that have been given to us to go into the schools. Reverend Greenfield is always a joy to fellowship with you, to have you here tonight, taking part at the mission. And we have good memories of five years ago <clears throat> at the high school when we were there. And you were there quite often with us and helped out at the mission. Uh, I was speaking to the caretaker, Des, uh, this morning, and he said, you're bound to be due back. You've been everywhere else. You've got to come back to the high school. So there is an invitation to come back again. Reverend Greenfield's always been a good encouragement to us, and we thank you for that. You're a special to our family, as you know, because you're the spiritual father of my wife, and you had the joy uh, hundreds of years ago leading her to the Lord. Uh, so she, she's eternally thankful uh, for that and grateful to you. There's lots of stories told about the Reverend Greenfield. I don't know what to believe and what not to believe. But um, I think back in his theological college days when he was studying, uh, they introduced the languages, isn't that right? Yeah, the big dread when you have to do Hebrew and Greek. And this man was supposed to have said that uh, he thought that Hebrew was a male tea bag. Is that right? <laughs> he, brew, no? <laughs> yeah. And you, th- you said you knew a little Greek and he owned a restaurant down the road. <laughs> so uh, the languages meant a lot to him. <laughs> and a tailor shop. <laughs> a tailor shop. <laughs> Amen, amen. Good to hear the accordion. There's a story behind these accordions. Uh, it's a very versatile instrument. You can bring it anywhere. Very portable. And years ago, we brought one to Romania, and we left it at Deborah House. So every time we went to that part, uh, whether it was Temeshwara, Moldovanoa, and other cities and villages round about, we could take the accordion with us. It was stored there and has had a lot of use. That accordion was bought in Scotland. Uh, we, we rang a music shop that sold accordions, and they shipped it over to us, and we brought it out. And then, more recently, we were asked uh, to go to the south part of Romania. Well, it's several hundred miles from Timisoara, so you couldn't really get the accordion. And we decided to get another accordion and bring it out, and uh, that was purchased here in Balamuni. It's an ex-band accordion. I think it was the Noi Accordion Band, is that right? 
And uh, so it's out in Romania to be used in the Bazaar area. And then there's a man who's involved in the prison ministry. He goes into the juvenile prison to preach to young people. He has association with the, the, the police organization, the Christian police organization. And there's a the place, the accordion. But the old accordion that he had was done. And we were looking for another one. So we were seeking and seeking and seeking. And we heard about this accordion down in Newton Ards that the Reverend Greenfield had traded in for, to get this one. So we made our journey there and we were able to purchase that accordion and we took it out. And then Eamon, he got us another accordion. So these accordions are being used out in Romania. And just a number of weeks ago, it was a man from way down country in Enniskillen. Uh, this is a lovely story because he, he contacted me one day, rang me and he said, we have an accordion or I have an accordion. It belonged to our daughter. His daughter very, very tragically died a number of years ago. And she played this accordion, and he said, you know, it would just be lovely in memory of her if that could be used in the Lord's work. So we have that to bring out, and we know that it will be used uh, extensively in the service of the Lord. So it's a good instrument. You can bring it anywhere. We're bringing it to nearly every school that we go into, and it's just a novelty even for the children, uh, getting them away from or an organ or, or something else to sing with the accordion. Schools. Each night, you might be standing up there sometimes and just doing a wee clip. It's only a verse of a hymn. And we send them to Samuel, and Samuel gets them loaded up on the internet, uh, as well as whole missions being loaded up onto the internet. But these wee clips, it's only a verse, and people will uh, tune in. So most of them, most of them have around 3,000 views, whatever that means. And uh, it's good to see that people are listening in, listening to the singing. But something happened to the choir choir video and it just went viral and if I'm right because I I can't see it any longer Samuel but I think there's somewhere near 100,000 and it's been shared again and again and again and it's been liked 100 times so there you are the Hebron choir is famous through the world because of this mission Uh, I haven't seen statistics like that at all so remember tomorrow night we're not here we're in the the church hall Uh, we have a decision to make where do we if there's an overflow, we can always move in. It's quite easy to do that in the church. But we'll get us seated for 150 seats. And if we need to bring 200 more in, sure, we can try our best to do that. Remember when the new building went up between buildings, we brought the old pews of the old building into the church hall. And uh, the difference was we made them very close. We didn't have much leg room. But we got all the pews in. And we were able to accommodate in the church hall with those pews well over 200 people every Lord's Day for over a year. Uh, so we can do it. The only problem is if you take ill, it's hard to get you out. And uh, there was a lady who was expecting, uh, she was expecting a child. And you know, sometimes a bit faint if you're warm. Well, she did feel that way, but not only did she feel that way, she fainted and she went down between the pews. And uh, we had to try and get her out. My wife said, if that ever happened, just leave my lie in there. <laughs> so. Uh, We'll not put the pews back in, but we'll get the seats out and we'll make sure there's plenty of room. Now let's read God's word. Ezekiel 33 and the opening 11 verses, the passage of scripture that the Lord has laid upon my heart. Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children people and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man off their coasts, and set him for a watchman, 
If when he saith the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the man's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth, and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Therefore, O thy son of man, Speak unto the house of Israel, thus ye speak, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how shall we then live? Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? And it's that last verse that I want to preach upon, God enabling me tonight. The 11th verse, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. And then this tremendous appeal, Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? Or in the case today, those that are in this house, in this schoolroom tonight, why will you die when the provision has been made? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the mission. Thank thee, gracious God, for stirring our hearts, bringing our people to pray. Thank you for a real conscious sense of the presence of God every night. Thank you for that dear woman that sought the Lord last Lord's Day. Thank thee for the young man that, that made his calling and his election sure last night. And we know that you're speaking. We know that you're troubling hearts. Amen. One of the titles given to every true preacher of the gospel is the one that we've read about tonight, a watchman. When the Apostle Paul was bidding farewell to the elders at Ephesus, he, he gave them counsel. We read about that in Acts chapter 20. And I was just thinking about this today as they came together for the last time. Paul is leaving they're not going to see each other uh, again because Paul is eventually heading to his death. He's going to die a martyr's death. He's ready to give his life for Christ. So it's a very sad occasion. They're going to part and Paul is heavy hearted and he's thinking about these men. He's thinking about the church in Ephesus and he has counsel to give them. And part of that counsel we read in verse 26, wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. 
Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers or watchmen, if you like, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. And Paul is saying, I want you to be my witness that when I was here with you preaching in Ephesus that I was not ashamed to declare the gospel. I preached the gospel. I didn't hide in a corner. I presented Christ. I was faithful to the souls of men. And and you need to be faithful to the people as well. And then when he wrote to the Hebrews, he, he called them to submit to the leaders of the church in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, when he said, Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves. Listen to this. For they watch for your souls. These leaders of the church, they were watchmen. As they that must give an account. Very solemn words, really. Clearly then, all elders, and especially ministers, preachers of the word, are watchmen over the people divinely given to their charge. One day, I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give an account of my ministry. One day, I will tell the Lord how I discharged my duty as a spiritual watchman. Indeed, I will give an account of this mission, coming here night by night, preaching the word. Now, this position or or calling is greatly evidenced in the life of Ezekiel. If you look at the chapter that we read from, chapter 33, and you'll see that this is so. Look back at verse 7. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. Now the idea of the watchman is taken from or borrowed from the watchmen that were set on the border regions to be lookouts, looking out for the approaching army, the invasion that might happen. So when a country was in danger of a foreign invasion, so that they would be informed of the coming of the enemy and all the maneuvers of the enemy and not be surprised by the attack caught on unawares, what do they do? They set watchmen on the coasts in lookout towers and they watched for the approach of the enemy. Trust was placed in the watchmen to discharge their duty faithfully. He must give notice by sounding the trumpet when he saw the enemy coming. This was his responsibility as the watchman to blow the trumpet. And if he did his part, he delivered his soul. If the people failed to take warning when the trumpet blast was given, it would be their own fault if the enemy came and took them. If, however, the watchman failed in his duty and he blew not the trumpet of warning and the people were cut off, then their blood would be required at his hand. Now, God gives the, the application of this illustration. And he's really saying, Ezekiel, you are that watchman. I'm appointing you to be a watchman over the house of Israel. And you're to hear my word. And you are to give warning from me and tell sinners about the danger and the consequences of sin. You are to inform them that it will not be well with them. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. 
O wicked man, thou shalt die. If after the warning and the pleading and the faithful preaching, he goes on in his sin, he will bring the just and the holy condemnation of God upon his own head. He will die in his iniquity. He will perish. But Ezekiel, you have delivered your soul and you have uh, been faithful. You are not guilty of what we call blood guiltiness. So Ezekiel was to be faithful. He would be held accountable. If he failed in his duty, his hands would be dripping with the blood of Israel. His garments would be stained with blood guiltiness. Now God's mercy was, was to be declared. This is where we come to our text. Say unto them, verse 11, As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? As I live, saith the Lord. God gives his word. He gives his oath. He could swear by no greater So he swears by himself. God is sincere. He is earnest because he loves this world of sinners lost and ruined by the fall. And thus Ezekiel must proclaim the mercy of God that there is a way of escape. And I want to proclaim the infinite mercy of God at this mission towards sinners. I want to be a faithful watchman over your souls. I want to deliver my soul from what we've termed here blood guiltiness. I want to give the sincere warning from God. I want to call you to repentance for you to know. I want you to know tonight, if you die in your sin, it'll be your own fault. Not the fault of God, Not my fault, not the church's fault, not the fault of anyone that's here. If you die in your sin, it's your own fault. I want to think about how God views the ungodly, especially in their death. There's a vast difference between the the death of the godly and the death of the ungodly. It's a, a blessed thing to die as a converted soul. It's one that knows the Lord. Remember, we mentioned one night the mission, that beautiful text, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. It's a precious thing to God when you and I who are Christians die. Jesus died for us. He poured out his life's blood for us at the cross that we might be saved. And whenever we die, he's bringing us home to heaven to be with himself forevermore. And that's a precious thing to the Lord. And the psalmist, you remember, was able to declare in the shepherd's psalm, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And David could face death. Come what may in his life, even death itself, entering into the shadow of death, into a dark place, he knew the Lord would be there, and he would be led safely across to the other side. How sweet and a pleasant thing it is to leave this world as a Christian, absent from the body, present immediately with the Lord. But not so for the ungodly, as the scripture teaches. That's what we want to think about 
as we look at this text, I want you to consider the sinner described here. And it's there in the one word, wicked. In fact, as you read, I'm sure you saw it was used over and over again, this term. The ungodly man, the sinner, facing impending death is here described. He is a wicked man. Now, he may not like to think of himself under this term. He may not want to view himself as one that is wicked in this world. He may not even realize that this is how he stands before God. He may not understand it, but every man and every woman and every young person out of Christ, without exception, is classified in this way. We look out there in society and we see the blasphemer and the the cursing man, the man that's got foul language, and we say, he's a wicked person. We're happy to put that term upon him. Or we think of the, the person that desecrates the Sabbath day, has no regard for the day that God has sanctified, and we can say, that is a wicked man. We see the drunkard, maybe having spent the money that should have been spent to buy food for his children, going home, maybe violent at home, and you know the lifestyle that he lives, and you say, he is a wicked man. Or you might think of the man that that shakes his fist in the face of God as he rebels against the Lord. A wicked man, you will say. Or the drug addict, or the adulterer, the adulteress, the homosexual, the pervert, the child molester. And you put the term that the scripture uses here upon such individuals. They are wicked. But I want you to know that the self-righteous sinner is just the same before God. Perverse and wicked. Because God says there is no difference. As God Almighty looks into the world and down into the hearts of men, he sees no difference. The person might be a religious man, a churchgoer, a moral, upright person outwardly. They may even be those who participate in church, a lay reader, a Sunday school teacher. They may have knowledge of the scripture. But if without Christ, God sees them as a wicked person. The fact of the matter is, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is God's perfect standard. It's God's holiness. And there it is. And all of us, no matter where we are, As we view the wickedness of man in this world, we're all down there. Some might be further down than others in our estimation. But we've all come short of the perfect standard of God, God's righteous character, his holiness. And thus we are wicked in the sight of Almighty God. If we could only see how far departed men are from God. In fact, I would go as far to say that the righteous sinner is ten times worse than those that we call the wicked sinners in society. Because when you think of all the beliefs and the privileges and the knowledge that that person has had in the gospel, maybe brought up in the things of God, to despise all that is, is far more wicked than those that have no knowledge of God and are involved in terrible sins in this world. Just like Capernaum exalted to heaven 
brought right up there with all the knowledge that they possess, with all the privileges that they've had. And Jesus says one day they're going to be brought down to hell. You see, there's a greater accountability with those who have knowledge. And there's a greater sin, therefore, when you sin against that knowledge and a greater punishment, more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for those cities where Christ walked and preached the gospel, says Jesus. You see the word that is translated here, wicked. It actually has the idea, very, very simply, of being wrong. They're wrong. It's a common word used to describe an unregenerated person, a person that's not saved. The sinner is wrong. They're wrong before God. His ways are wrong. His thoughts are wrong. His attitude is wrong. His unbelief is wrong. His rejection of God is wrong. His rebellion against Christ is wrong. His present course that he's following is wrong. My friends, this is how God sees you tonight. You're wicked if you are without him. But then secondly, there is the sureness of death because the prophet was to speak about the death of the wicked. Wicked men, unconverted men are going to die. Sinners are not going to live forever. Oh, you might think the way they conduct themselves and go through life that they think they're going to live forever upon this earth. But their day will run its course. And the life that they now have will rapidly draw to a close. The enemy of death is no respecter of persons. The righteous die. The godly die. It's a blessing for them. Like Lazarus, they'll be carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Just a picture, a beautiful picture of being carried home to glory. The ungodly not so. Solomon, he says, there is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death. And he's just simply reminding us, the righteous die, the wicked die. Nobody has the power, not one of us, to retain the spirit, hold on to the spirit, your soul and your body, when it comes to that moment in life, whenever we must die, when God says your time is up, You've run your course. You've finished your days upon the earth. Nobody can hold on to the soul and stop that soul from departing in the day of death. There is nothing surer for each person in this meeting tonight than we're going to die. You're not guaranteed anything else. You're not guaranteed getting home tonight. We have paramedics here and we know that they're called it all the time. People that have taken a journey they never made it home. You're not guaranteed eating your supper tonight if you have a supper before you go to bed. You're not guaranteed laying your head to the pillow to go to sleep or seeing the night through or wakening in the morning or carrying out whatever you have intended to do tomorrow. Not guaranteed it. You're not guaranteed coming to one more night of this mission or seeing this weekend through or coming to the final night on the Lord's Day evening. None of these things. You're not even guaranteed your next breath. But you can be sure of death. Guaranteed of it. Because it's appointed unto man once to die. Divinely settled. 
written down, written there in the calendar of God, the very day that you and I are going to depart this life. And I said to you, especially if you're not a Christian, if you don't see it, waking up to the reality that you must face, you must die. And then look at verse 11. There is the statement that is declared here. Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Now what does it mean to die this way? The death of the wicked, that little phrase that is used here. What does it mean to die as a non-converted soul? That's an important consideration. If God takes no delight in such a death, then it must be an awful death. An awful thing to die without the Lord. Previously, the prophet, uh, the prophecy is asked here, or the, the word of God tells us here, have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? God's asking the question, have I any pleasure? And here he's stating the answer to that. And he's stating it emphatically. I have no pleasure. So what does it mean? What does it mean? Well, it means to die unready and unprepared. The Bible exhorts us to be ready. Be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. And of course, that's with reference to the second coming of Christ. We need to be ready for that day. But equally applicable for the day of your death. You need to be ready. But to die without Jesus Christ, to die as a wicked person in your sin, it means you die unready. No preparation made for the great eternity of God. It means to die without the remedy of sin. And that remedy is Christ alone. There's no other way to heaven. There's no other way of salvation. No other way whereby you can be pardoned and forgiven other than through Christ and the great work that he came to do when he died on the cross for our sin. If you die as a wicked person, you die without that remedy. It means also to die without the pardon and peace of God. What a sweet thing it is to know that pardon and peace in your heart. Every child of God has it tonight. We're glad that we have that personal relationship with God that brings the the pardon of God to our souls and the, the peace of God to our heart. But if you die without the Lord, you die without pardon and peace. You die without the presence of Jesus Christ. Mentioned there about the psalmist being able to say when he walked through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I'll fear no evil. Why? Why should the Christian fear no evil? For this simple fact, the Savior who redeemed him and saved him, the shepherd of his soul is there. But not so for those that die as wicked individuals, as sinners in the sight of God. The Lord is not there. To die the death of the wicked means to leave the earth absent of any comfort. It means to go out into the eternal darkness. The blackness of darkness, as the scripture calls it, without the Lord. It means to fall headlong into your own destruction. It means to close your eyes in time on this earth and to open your eyes in eternity and in hell itself. It means to begin the endless torment of which the Bible speaks. To languish in the flames of a lost eternity. To be cut off and that without remedy. No Christian would change places with you for anything. I wouldn't. I'm going to heaven, not because of who I am. I'm nothing. I don't deserve heaven. 
but I'm going to heaven because Jesus paid the price for my salvation at the cross and I've come to trust in him and I've come to accept what he has done for me. God says, I have no pleasure in that kind of death. God takes no delight. I want you to know this tonight. No delight in casting men out into hell. He takes no delight in shutting men out from his presence forevermore. No delight in thrusting sinners down into the fires of a lost eternity. No delight in saying to the ungodly in the day of judgment, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. God is full of goodness, and he delights in mercy, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God takes no satisfaction, my friends, in the eternal ruin of sinners. I want you to know that tonight. Oh, what a blessed declaration this is. But look further at verse 11. Because here we have the Savior's desire. If he doesn't take delight in the death of the wicked, what is his desire? We'll look at the second part of the text. But that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? What is the, the desire of the Lord, the desire of the Savior? It is that you might turn and live. This is amazing condescension. God pleading with man. We looked a little bit at that last night, didn't we? God pleading with men on the earth. Turn and live. And this is God's desire. This is the message of the Bible. This is the preaching of Christ. Jesus said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Constantly, he called men to turn from their sin. Constantly, he encouraged them to flee from the wrath to come. Constantly, he said to his audiences, to those that gathered before him, come unto me. And God requires you to repent. God now commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. God now commands you to repent. If you perish, it'll be your own fault. If you die without mercy, it'll be your own fault. My friend, I say from the depths of my heart, If you go to hell, it'll be your own fault. God has pleaded with you. God has spoken in his word. He has commanded you to turn from your wicked ways, your evil ways. He has indeed sought you lovingly, tenderly. Jesus stands with with the outstretched hands that we thought about last evening. Behold the nail prints. Know the love that I have for you, and the mercy that is towards you. My friends, realize his desire tonight. Hear his voice, the voice that we looked at last night or we listened to last night. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. He desires to save you. He delights to redeem men. That's why he died. He died that we might be forgiven. He died to make us good. 
that we might go at last to heaven, saved by his precious blood. Therefore, come to him, seek him, turn from your sin, repent of it, and believe the gospel. There's one final little thought here, and that's the solemn declaration. Again, here in verse 11, as the Lord appeals, turn from your, turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die? O house of Israel, why will you die? Why will you die when provision has been made? Why would you want to die? And Jesus has gone to the cross and he's opened up the way of salvation. The way whereby your sins can be pardoned and you set free, go to heaven. Why would you die? Why would you die when, when pardon is obtainable? You stand condemned. You're under the wrath of God because of your sin. But there is a pardon. And Jesus Christ can freely pardon you tonight if you come to him. Why would you choose to die? Why would you die? Why will you die when prayer has been offered for you? Oh, if you could only hear the pleas of God's people as they've wept for you and prayed for you that you might be saved. Why will you die when, when the promises are dependable? All the, the promises that God has given in his word with regard to your salvation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why would you die when you can come and put your faith and trust in the exceeding precious promises of God? Why will you die when, when there's power available to deliver you from sin? Maybe you're sitting tonight and you're, you're thinking about your sin. I couldn't give it up. I couldn't part with my sin. You don't know my life and how worldly I am. There's power to set you free. Power to deliver you. Why would you choose to die in your sin and be lost forever and die forevermore when there's power to save you from all your sin? Why would you die when the pathway has now been opened? Oh, those gates that were closed to us because of sin are now fully opened to the man and the woman that comes in repentance and faith to Jesus Christ. Why will you die when the pleading voice is heard? Oh, my friends, Jesus is pleading with you. The Holy Spirit is pleading with you. As a preacher, I plead with you to come to Christ. God's people here tonight would do the same. Jesus has opened a fountain for sin and uncleanness. You may approach him and come to him. Why? Stand at a distance. Why resist the offer of his mercy and grace? Why refuse the, the invitation of a savior? Why reject him? Why fight against God? Why will ye die? Why will ye go to hell? Why will you be lost forever? The remedy is available. Praise God tonight. And you can come and you can avail yourself of that remedy. Christ is standing by to save you. To save you right now. Why would you choose otherwise? And if you do. Your blood is upon your shoulders. And you're the guilty one. And it will be your fault. Nobody else's. Not God's as I've said. Not this preacher. Not any Christian here. If you die in your sin. It's your own fault. Come to Christ. You know the Lord is, is pleading through these words to you. As we close, I'm just reminding you that he's no pleasure in the death of the wicked. 
He is saying here tonight that the wicked should turn from his way and live. You need to turn so that you might live. And then here's the plea. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die? Will you listen to God tonight? Will you just sit up and listen to what God is saying in his word? And whatever other foolish things are in your mind and your heart, put them away. Listen to what God has to say to your soul right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we bless you tonight for your word. Thank you for your loving kindness and your mercy. We know that we're under the condemnation, and yet you've sent watchmen. You've sent people across our paths, preachers, evangelists, godly parents, Christian friends and family members to warn us, to tell us why should we die when we have the knowledge of God's salvation? Why should we die when the the door has been opened by Christ? Why should we die when his blood has been shed at the cross for the remission of our sins? When there's cleansing and healing for all who will wash in the life-giving flood. Oh God, we pray that you will speak through your word. And may men and women and young people just sit up and listen to what God is saying right now in their heart from his word. And as the Lord himself makes this appeal, turn ye, turn ye. May there be a turning to the Lord and an obeying of this command of the Lord for Jesus' sake. Amen. We want to help you all we can. Just in case you haven't been other nights, we're here. No hurry away. If the caretaker comes and closes the school, we can go out and sit in the car. You'll not do that, though. But we can go into a room and talk to you, open up the scriptures. If you've got questions of heart about your soul, about your eternity, it's time to get them settled. Maybe you have thoughts and maybe there's questions. Maybe there's things that you need answered. If we can do that, that's why we're here. But seek the Lord tonight. Don't turn away from him. We sing together, 242. I wonder, is your heart troubled? Sinner, how thy heart is troubled. God, praise God, he's coming very near. Do not hide thy deep emotion. Do not check that falling tear. And this appeal, we've sang this another night at the mission. Oh, be saved. His grace is free. Oh, be saved. He died for thee. We'll sing a few of the verses as we stand in closing to sing.
Let the angels bear the tidings upward to the courts of heaven. Let them sing with holy rapture or another soul forgiven. What a joy there is on the earth and what a joy there is in heaven even when one soul repents and comes to know Christ the Savior. Let the angels Dear God, speak on while the preacher's voice is silent. Blessed Spirit of God who brings about the work of salvation, who brings about the work of convincing men of their need and true conversion. Work now, we pray. Don't let sinners leave without Christ. Separate us with your blessing for Jesus' sake. Amen.